Hello, everyone, and welcome to another uh, episode of Deep Cuts Live. I'm excited about every interview, but I'm excited about today's interview because it's always fun to speak to someone that actually you don't know because sometimes I have to play like I uh, have not asked these people 20 questions before. And uh, with today's guest, I really not have, have not asked them any questions because I've never spoken to them before. So uh, your first time might be your first time learning about today's guest, and it'll be my first time learning about them as well. So I'm going to bring on our guest, who is Alex Spencer from AS Reserve. Hey, how's it going? How are you? Great, man. Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Like I said, it's, it's always fun to have people on who have been on before, but I think it's a little bit more fun for me to have somebody who has I have not interacted with as much just because I get to learn new stuff and I don't have to play stupid like I don't know. Uh, some of these questions that I've asked these people 50 right. billion times. So thank you right. for coming on today. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Like I said, I found out about you through small batch uh, cigars. And I, and I think our mutual friend, Ben, has been hyping you up uh, with, with her work. And I saw that Instagram Live that you and her did. For those of you who don't know, sisters, and uh, Ben is just a great Instagram person, but she's knowledgeable about cigars. So she always brings up some very interesting people to the forefront. So I was kind of looking and I was like, I've, for whatever reason, I've never heard of this brand before. And I was like, this is somebody that I want to get to know even more. So I'm excited about the hour that we get to spend together and just learning more about your brand because I've gone through my whole uh, Barbara Walters today and have seen some of your other interviews and watched some other stuff. So I feel like we have a lot that we can dive into today. Okay. Okay. Let's shoot. Well, I always like to start at the beginning. So I know from listening to your Instagram live with Ben that uh, you did not start off in the cigar industry. So tell people about what your background is and how you kind of landed into cigars. Okay. Um, well, um, I have a master's in business administration uh, from 2012. During that time, uh, I worked for uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base uh, in the Air Force uh, for uh, roughly three years. Uh, during that time, I did defense contracting, contract negotiating. Uh, we bought everything from uh, satellites to uh, to pilots' helmets, uh, to flight simulators, uh, and and Boeing's uh, Boeing jets. So uh, did a little bit of, of a lot uh, there. Uh, worked with a couple of hundred million dollars worth of worth of uh, uh, business there. Uh, I left. I uh, went on to pursue entrepreneurship. Uh, it was an amazing uh, kind of jump, a leap. I really felt like I was a square peg in a round hole, uh, trying to really figure out who I was. Uh, and honestly, uh, I needed a fresh start after dealing with the loss of my father. And so I just kind of didn't really feel the nine to five anymore. Uh, so 
jumped in early, got into uh, a lot of consulting, helping small businesses develop, things of that nature. Uh, I owned a hair salon, a natural hair salon, where we did the braids and the afros and all that stuff. Uh, and we brought that concept down from uh, the Northeast, New York, Philadelphia. So that was a major thing at the time, still is today. Uh, while doing that, I got into uh, manufacturing, uh, started to create products to put on shelves across the United States. And that was really the time where I learned process, you know, uh, pricing, not just from the contract negotiating side, but from my own side in business, uh, dealing with retailers, uh, learning how the, the business of wholesaling, you know, all of these things really sort of made a bed for, you know, what I was to end up doing, which was cigars. So that's that's a little bit of the background. I always like to ask, and you kind of touched on this just now, but how did all these other jobs, I guess your nine to fives before you went, you know, you flew to Coop and went out on your own. How did those jobs kind of help set you up for owning your own cigar brand? Uh, <laughs> That's a good question. What I found was that um, in business, uh, whether it is in finance, which is where I originally started in banking, to uh, the contract negotiating in, in, on a team, uh, to uh, manufacturing, you deal with various levels of success. And in those various levels of success, the way the people at the top treat success is oftentimes pretty similar. Um, you know, we as a culture are either time rich and, and financially, uh, let's say on pause, mm -hmm. or we are fruitful financially but our time is the restraint. So what I found is that the people that were at the top, they didn't talk about the work that was right in front of them. They didn't talk about the employees that they needed to hire or, or, or even fire. They talked about ideas. And oftentimes they would sit amongst each other and bring up various ideas about how to change society. And they often did that over scotch or bourbon and uh, a cigar or during golf or something like that. Uh, I always say I sucked at golf. And so my route was cigars, but I chose it because at that time it it was impossible for me to get into those rooms where real decision makers made decisions. So my, my impression was if I can't get in the room, I need to create something that will put me in the room. Cigars was that thing. And so uh, I chose it and it, and it led me on to a, a roller coaster ride that I'm, I'm grateful for. I think that's so interesting, like, like observant of what the people at the top were talking about or what they did in their actions. 
and just, I mean, I guess I want to know how are you going to keep yourself from becoming just one of those people who are, you know, an idea person rather than just being about actions. And I ask that because a lot of times people do get kind of wrapped up in this idea and, and kind of the higher, the, the lower you are, the more work you tend to do. And then the higher you get, the less hands-on you are and you kind of lose touch with what, you know, you started off with. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, being in either position has its disadvantages. People that are ideators or dreamers oftentimes don't have the personal resource to get dirty, right? This is why they hire, right? Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're great at envisioning and they often need people to execute. People at the, that are, that are, I won't say at the bottom, but people that are not at that level uh, tend to be executors. Um, they they have a, a vision, but it's within the symmetry of, of that flow of business. And they can get on the ground and they can communicate within within their rings. And for me, you ask the question, how do I keep from becoming that person? Uh, I've always been a dreamer. Uh, it's the thing that has uh been uh, a, a gut skill of mine uh it's it's instinctual uh and it it allows me to see this this is my personal quote see beyond sight you know where i'm from it's very difficult to see beyond the street corner it's very difficult to see beyond uh the issues that are swirling around you constantly, right? Whether it's hunger or it's crime, drug infestation, you know, things like that, that I, I grew up around. Mm -hmm. What gave me the opportunity was college. It was all of these things that really opened my world so that I could see bigger than what was in front of me. So, Dreaming is not necessarily a negative connotation to me, but what I will say is if you give me the vision, I will envision the work. I, I never get caught up in this idea of, wow, it'd be nice to have, you know, five bed, five bath mansion in Malibu or It'd be nice to have those seven hundred dollar Yeezys, right? Or whatever, right. whatever people dream of. I always envision the work. If if I can see it, then I can execute, and it becomes real. So to to see it in my world, thoughts are things. They are physical. When I speak it, they turn into action oriented visions, and then when I execute. It, it opens up a whole nother door, which has allowed me to be successful in this industry. And I think that's, you know, interesting because whenever I talk to people who decide to embrace entrepreneurship 
they always kind of say what you just said. They always start off with this idea of what they want out of it or at the end. And it's like mysterious yes. stuff. And it's always, and it drives me crazy. Because <laughs> I want to make a million dollars. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and yeah, they why? Think it's a crazy question. And they're just like, but why, why wouldn't I? I was like, but why, what were you going to do with the million dollars once you make it? <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, look, if you, if you have an issue with money, having a million dollars doesn't change the issue that you have with money. Uh, I typically work backwards. So I, I see the end to the means first, and then I back into, you know, this solution or the problem. Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, so I have to see both sides of it. And it allows me, once I have my restraints, then I can operate freely because I know where the walls are. You know, so it's it's always been something that uh, I've always had the skill of, I've always utilized and, and I learned more of when I reached, you know, graduate school and things of that nature and got put on projects at work. But to do it for myself makes a dollar in entrepreneurship feel like a thousand dollars as a W-2 at an organization. So, you know, I just work, I, I enjoy having the freedom and doing what I love. And I think that's an, another, you know, just important part is, is making that transition from, like you said, being part of a collective in a working situation to being the individual and it's like your business and it kind of does change your perspective. Like what was that transition like when you finally did decide that you wanted to become an entrepreneur, you wanted to start your own business? Um, what, what, what was going through your mind? Like I said, what was the kind of psychological shift that you had to make in order to make it all work? Yeah. Uh, it was absolute fear. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It was absolute fear. You, until your back is truly against the wall and until you're trying to understand where that next meal is coming from or how you're going to pay bills or, you know, who can help you in the event that your idea fails, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, I don't operate in plan B's, you know, so a plan B for me is making sure that the plan A works. If I have a plan B, then I am preparing myself for plan A to fail. So I don't dabble my toe in the water. I cannonball, you know, if we're going to fail, we're going to fail fast. We're going to fail forward and, and we're going to learn you know, from the experience. A, a great tool for me that I had though growing up was my parents being entrepreneurs. Uh, I started carrying buckets of paint for them uh, at three years old. You know, my parents uh, painted fast food stations, gas stations, mailboxes, you know, they, they, they got various contracts throughout the United States. And, uh, you know, I moved around a lot. I saw a lot of things. And uh, prior to my dad passing, he always said, I want you guys to be better than me. 
So learn from my mistakes, go to school and educate yourself on how to avoid the pitfalls of, of business. Uh, another funny uh, thing I always think about whenever I'm kind of stressed, we would come home, you know, me and my brothers and sisters, there were eight of us. And, you know, as each one of us grew up and got old enough to work, you know, we come home after we lost a job or, you know, we quit, you know, whatever. And my parents would go out and go buy a cake and they would have happy entrepreneurs day put on the cake. <laughs> you, know, you know, my, my uh, dad made up some funny, you know, it, it sounded like happy birthday, but it wasn't. <laughs> You know, but, uh, you know, these are the experiences I have. So writing proposals, uh, you know, learning how to put images to a, a statement and balance sheets and, you know, all of these things in order to get business and maintain your own business, I, I had the experience of. Uh, so going into cigars that, 35-ish, I had already knew how to put, you know, LLCs and things like that together because I, I, I saw it at such a young age. But I think so, that's yeah. you know, also important because you had, obviously, your parents kind of taught you that entrepreneurship. Do you think if they had not taught you that entrepreneurship and what, you know, and that mentality of, yeah, you know, you quit or you, you know, that job didn't go as well, but we're going to celebrate it anyway. You need to get up and the next day and, you know, get back to it. Mm -hmm. If they had taught you that, do you think you would have learned that in school or would you have learned that on your own? Uh, life has a funny way of always bringing you to the place you need to be. Mm -hmm. uh, even in failure, or in loss, you know, we always kind of glean and say, you know, wow, 10 years ago, I would have never thought I'd be doing this. Um, I can't say those moments, if they didn't happen, would I be here? I would say that the path would certainly have been the longer the much more longer path, I, I probably would have stopped so many times. I would have been a lot more fearful. And, you know, it's a DNA thing. Parents, and I, and I tell people this all the time, it's like, as a, as a parent, you're writing the code for the DNA for your child every decision you make, every outburst, every celebration, all the sadness, your fears, all of these things are like downloaded into your children upon the time that they're born. Uh, I tell I tell people the same thing is, uh, if you've ever seen a child that is like ghostly afraid of a cop, right? They, they're scared, they've never seen one, but they're scared. And it's like, how do you know to be scared? <laughs> right? And other children are like, ah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So 
it's the same thing in entrepreneurship where, you know, if it's something that has not been programmed into you, then it doesn't mean you can't do it, but it just means that your experiences may not be there. You may be the first person in your family and everything behind you is now downloaded, you know, but for me, it's always been there. I don't know what life is like without it. So it just kind of, I don't know. It's just a way of life for me. And when you decided to get into the cigar business, who did you share that idea with first or who did you kind of tell like, Hey, this is what's going to happen. And what was, what was their reaction? I don't, uh, I think I shared it with my ex-wife. She, she saw me enjoying cigars from the very beginning. And so she, she thought it was cool because I, I found mentors. I think the downside of it that she felt was that I was just spending a great deal of money. Like, okay, Alex, (laughs) I'm glad you found people that you can talk to now, but you know, you're spending five, $10,000 a year. And I, I, I think there's other ways you can spend that, you know? So, she gave me these set of challenges over the course of, you know, a year. It's like, great, you found mentors, but you're spending money. How about you find a way to make it cheaper? You know, then it went to great, you found a way to make it cheaper, but now you're smoking twice as much. And then the last one was, you need to turn this into a business or you can't smoke anymore because you're just spending money. You know, so I think without that initially, I I would have I would have probably done it, but it would have been over a longer period of time. She really put fire under me to to execute, and so I I, I give her kudos for that. But everybody else, uh, you know, the the cigar industry hasn't been in my city in almost a hundred years. It's it's been like 70 years plus. So to come back and say, hey, I want to start a cigar company. It's like the room stops and stares at you and says, man, who's doing that? You know, but I had a lot of people that supported me. And at that time I was, like, look, I'd give anything not to have to go back to a nine to five. So I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make this work. So I, I didn't really listen to the haters uh, or to the, the doubters or naysayers. I just went after it. And I think that's a great mentality to have because you're not always going to have full support from or understanding from everybody. Yeah. Don't get what you're, you know, it's your passion. <laughs> it's not their passion. Yeah. Yeah, we have to, we we all have to learn that. I, I think we we go from I to to we over this, this long course of time. And the, the I is this is is the ego, but it but it cares about what others think. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's almost in a selfish way, you know. You kind of want to be looked at and revered and you know and thought of in great ways. And then you know life hits you, right? And when life hits you, you the things that you cared about really don't matter, and what people think really don't matter, you know, because you can't eat what people think. You can't pay bills with what people think. Uh, and um, you you just have to determine what's what's important to you. You know, and if you have children, you wake up every morning and you look at your kids and you think they didn't ask to be here, you know, and, and they're hungry. So I need to figure something out. Uh, and uh, I think the best position to be in is in a place where you're somewhere between hope and fear. You know, hope hope is is the great uh, deal deal maker, excuse me. And fear is the ultimate deal breaker. And so somewhere in between there, you have to determine who you are and and pick a side. And 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 for me, I just got off got off the pot. And just said, "Hey, let's let's go do it." So, when you finally decided to launch your company, how did you get started? Like, what was the first steps that you had to take to really get a product from concept to final yeah. product in your hands? Well, the first thing was the concept. Uh, if I can't do what I'm trying to accomplish to the best of my abilities, I don't want to do it, right? I don't want to half-ass myself or the people that support me. And most importantly, at that time, it was, you know, after my father's death, it just, death numbs you, right? It, it puts you in a very numb place where, um, you almost become uh, recklessly fearless because you realize time. You don't have the luxury of time, so you have to go after it. And that that really shaped my world. And so I thought about concept first, and I went through first, you know, Oh, well, you know, I want to make something cool for the cool people. <laughs> then it was like, I want to make something badass, you know. And I, I, that's not even me. That's not even me. Like, so now you got to determine, Alex, who are you? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, you have to be able to connect with people on this wavelength that is authentic and that's real. And so I thought back to, things my dad used to say, you know, and going through that rough patch in my life, I started to have these beautiful, positive memories of family, of friends, uh, really of my my mother and father. Uh, And, you know, he used to tell us stories about you know, African kings and queens, uh, people that were great. You know, he hated these stories of, you know, I won't say hate. He really disliked these stories of, you know, just slavery. You know, just 
your your life started as a slave. No, it didn't. You know, it, it you started your story started way before that. And here are all of these great people in history that you can look at. And one of them was Mansa Musa. And, you know, he used to tell us these stories before bed. You know, and once I latched onto that, I just did about six months of research. You know, I just essentially started reading his story and writing my father, this open letter to my father. You know, we used to think my dad lied all the time. He used to tell these grand stories, like these big fish stories. And he was telling the truth the whole time. I'm like, oh my God, my dad was a genius, man, you know? And so as both stories unraveled, what I ended up having was an open letter to my dad. Uh, you know, we all want to show our parents in some way or form that what they taught us meant something mm -hmm. and that we accomplished what they set out there. We are the result of their hopes and dreams. And so the Mansa cigar is the result of all of these past memories that were passed to me through these interactions with my father. And so it's really an open letter is what it is. And I think that's interesting because I like to read and it took all the events of 2020 and all these great books that kind of came out out of that era, which is shockingly a lot of books that kind of explore race that I was like, here I am, you know, history was always one of my favorite subjects in school. And yet yeah. we never were taught half the things about black history. Yes. What we were about other history. And there's yes. some books now that are out there that explore that subject. And I always tell people like there's a, I think it's 400 years that came out um, re like last year. Or so it's like an anthology of just black history. Uh, like, you know, 400 years of, of black American history. And right. you know, I always tell people read that book. It's great. And you learn. So the fact that you were able to, that your father and your parents taught you that, I think is just so great because like I said, you don't always get that. Um, we don't always get that history yeah. and, that, and, and then for you to kind of take that history and like make it into a cigar. And, you know, I think it's just what makes your company so wow. unique and different because it is special and we don't hear stories like that. Like when I hear about your cigars, like the first time when I was looking at the story about, you know, Mansa and all that, it was the first time I ever heard about it. Wow. Maybe it's because I live in the South and, and Africa yeah. is completely maybe a little bit different than what other parts of the country and, and the world are taught. But it was just yeah. like, you know, to me that this has been a, a an interesting subject for me because it's something that I've personally have been looking into more in the past two or two or so years of just kind of learning more about real history, like the full scope, not just like yes. a limited scope. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's so much information in the world. I mean, you know, when we're in high school, we're learning about history, uh, you know, and they're, uh, well, the Visigoths and the Vikings and the Dravidians and, the, you know, and, they, you know, to give these 
they they talk about groups of people and their migration, but they don't tell you who these people are. There's right. not really a context. And that's the research that you have to do on your own, which is the reason why a lot of people just didn't care about history in grade school, because it's like, what what do these people have to do with me? Exactly. You're like, who, like Vikings, like who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares? You know, uh, you know, I was like, who, who, what does that matter to me now? <laughs> yeah. What is, why does that matter? And, you know, okay. You know, he looked like Thor. That's great. You know, but that's <laughs> not the truth. You know, we, when we break down, you know, information into parts that we can properly absorb because we know how it affects us, then we're able to take that information and really make it personal and shape it and then shape our world. And that to me is what made my father so special is because he really took these ideas that were so far-fetched and brought them home and helped me to understand life in a totally different array of colors. And, you know, I'm so grateful for that. And my mother, too. I mean, she was definitely nurturing. Uh, there will be something probably in the future cigar-related to her. Uh, but for this first cigar, I just wanted to celebrate his life. And, you know, I'm just, I'm excited that the world has uh, held on to it the way uh, I held on to it for 35 years. And I'm finally getting to show everybody uh, how passionate I am about cigars with it. So. And um, what's been the reception to Mansa? Because I was reading that, you know, you had some cigar lounges reach out to you, say they, they wanted to buy big quantities of the cigar after they heard about it and so on and so forth. So what has been kind of like the public's response to this cigar? How did that make you feel? Uh, honestly, um, you know, Erica Badu said it. Uh, I'm an artist, and I'm sensitive about my shit. Uh, excuse my language. Okay. Uh, I look at I look at. And I'll start from the beginning. I look at the creation of the Mansa as a depiction of history with art. It's this art history hodgepodge. And we're taking the art form of cigars and we're really creating something beautiful. Um, the world has really taken this thing that I was very sensitive about, you know, showing because the world can be an ugly place, <laughs> you know, when it comes to taking your idea and, and exposing it. And so I was initially very fearful of that um but they've gravitated to it they have nurtured it and they've given it a life of its own and when that happened man i honestly just broke down and cried man i i i did not fathom in my wildest of dreams that something like this would happen, let alone happen 
to me, we, we talk about it all the time of, man, when I do this and do that, I'm going to, you know, yeah, but that's, that's in your head. Mm-hmm. When it really happens, I mean, just about the only thing you can do is thank God, man, because it's, it's, it flows through me, not from me. And I'm not going to claim the source of any of it. You know, I give it all to God uh, first and foremost, and I'm just grateful that, uh, you know, that, that the most high chose me as the vessel for it. So, uh, I just broke down and cried when it all happened. And it was years of, envisioning the light in complete darkness you know the struggle of trying to create something with little to no means uh you know at the time i mean i'm like trying to pinch pennies and rub them together to get this idea off the ground uh and to not really have the believers to just just come from very little and remember my father through this whole thing. This was the way I talked to him. You know, this this was epic for me because I, I spent so many nights, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, just staring at the stars, wondering, God, how? And it manifested into something that has moved uh, lightning speed and I just want to continue to keep doing great work and you know we'll see what comes next you know when you say that I think for me that's why I'm not a big fan of cigar ratings because I feel like they're rating it based on their palate and how somebody yeah. else might like a cigar is completely different right I might like a cigar um you know and, and vice versa yeah and I think you know the story that you just told you can't get that. I mean, it's an important part of the cigar, but it's, it's a story. The part of the cigar, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's like the the one ingredient that you you won't taste. I mean, you might be able to taste some of it, but you're not going to get that in a note or whatever. And so, yeah. ratings to me have, and that's the one my pet peeve about the industry is that it's gotten so narrow minded about. The whole industry is all about ratings and getting a coveted 93 or 90 whatever yeah and then it's like everybody chases that they want to get that 90 rating they want to get in, into cigar aficionado they want to you know be named cigar of the year and they made it but it's like what's your story behind the cigar and i think like, like i said what you just told for this the last 38 minutes is a powerful story that goes into how the cigar was made and yet Nobody, you know, lots of the media today aren't interested in the story. They're just interested in the product, yeah. getting a sample, smoking it, and then making themselves kind of feel special by putting, yes. trying to put a number to something that, I mean, even if you got a 93 rating for somebody, I'm sure you'll look at it and be like, but this is like 100%, you know, 100% yes. this, yeah. I go yeah. and think I'm going to get, you know, for, for ratings, but. I, I I would just for me if I were had a cigar out there it would make me mad. <laughs> I think that was the one part I would put me in a handle is like going like okay but you missed the whole point of the cigar you didn't get the story or whatever yeah you know, about notes and 
how, you know, this or that. This is a really strange part of the industry that on the media side, I've yet to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, people, you know, ask me, you know, about the flavor profiles and the, all of the flavors that, and this is, this is something that people don't, don't really get from me, but all of the flavors that you're supposed to taste in the cigar are original African based flavors, you know, whether it's the cacao mm -hmm. or this chocolate or, or, uh, or coffee, you know, uh, the, the cigar was meant to truly represent Africa and to represent, you know, it, the, the culture. So everybody says, well, what does Mantamusa's gold have to do with the cigar? And I'm like, well, back then it was, his wealth was the gold, but the gold today is these stories that, that we share, like we're sharing them right now. And the only difference is that during his time, the gold devalued because he gave away so much. The gold today actually increases in value because blades sharpen blades. And at the end of the day, we can walk away with insight, more information than we had before. And, you know, we're all better off because of it. I, you know, I, I, scores are important to the extent that business needs to happen. But I want people to know how passionate I am about this, uh, where ASR, what, what, what ASR uh, and I, what it stands for, this, this uh, badge of honor, these blood, sweat, and tears these five years of hopes, dreams, and wishes, uh, overcoming fear and being emotionally, mentally stagnant, numb uh, through death and really being uh, sculpted and, and built by the fire, uh, literally. And, 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 you know, the cigar, I want it to be special for people because I want people to see a part of themselves in the cigar. Mm -hmm. You know, we initially it's, you know, it's, it's race is important when it comes to the cigar because there's not many of us in the industry as African-Americans, but it's not necessarily just about being black. You know, we all struggle of all different races. We all have pains. We all overcome. Uh, and I want, everybody that tries a cigar to hopefully find themselves a part in that and know that we're all destined for greatness if we choose it, but we first have to go through the fire, you know, and if, if I'm able to do that with one person, I feel like I've done my job, you know? So I, like I said, I'm grateful, man. I'm super grateful. 
Yeah, and that goes on to, I was reading the story that the uh, Cincinnati Inquirer, or I think that's what uh, what they did on you. And yeah. I was reading that part and I kind of stopped at that part of the article because you had said, um, but I don't want to necessarily be seen as a black owned brand. I want to be seen as a great brand that happens to be black owned. Yes. That was a, a kind of like a one to stand out as Oprah would call it aha moments uh, from the that interview that you did with them because you know, um, like you said, there there aren't a lot of black owned brands in the cigar industry, at least. Um, but to be seen beyond that, I think is important. Yeah, I mean, if we here's the problem, you know, the love of cigars is multifaceted, right? It's all different races enjoy cigars. Uh, but the minute that you keep doing this this uh, keep away game with, well, you know, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. You don't you don't have to say that, right? We have a we have a permanent tattoo. You don't have to say that, right? You you can say I'm a great cigar, a great cigar. Why don't you try it? You know, and I think that approach is what when you start to give race attributes to a product, then you start to raise walls and it, it makes everybody feel like, well, they can't be involved in the love or the passion of that product or service. And it's important, you know, in our culture, race is important, but it's not the only thing that we are, you know, we're, we we have you know every other thing to you know attribute to to talk about too. I mean, when you talk about uh you know your love of bourbon, it's like well we all love bourbon, we all love cigars, we all love golf, we all you know. So I'd rather go into it saying we than to than to put up dividers to talk about who isn't this or who isn't that. That doesn't matter to me. You know, it's about the love. And I don't care if you're green. If you love cigars, you know, in, in bourbon, let's sit down and have a, have a, a good conversation and, and enjoy cigars together. Yeah, and I think sometimes, too, the um, pitfall of using race is that you're dealing with somebody else's biases that they're coming into the situation with. So if you say you're a black owned brand and they have some negative connotations of what, you know, right. black business is or like a, what a black entrepreneur is, they're like, oh, God, you know, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> you have, you're having to work not only the regular obstacles of business, but then yeah, you just created your own obstacle. And right. then, that, then you have to talk about why that that doesn't mean that and this and that. Exactly. Look, <laughs> I. I understand, of, of all people, I understand. There are hurdles that still exist in the industry, in any industry, you know, but the only way we can truly move ahead is when we stop dividing each other from each other. You know, there's, there's only one race, there's a human race. We all participate in it, uh, in, in this in this life, and we all experience the same things, you know. So, 
the moment that we start dividing is the moment that it all falls apart. And I, and I just won't have a part in that. I won't, you know, some of the greatest people that have helped me have been people of all other races. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that, you know, being, being black negates them. You know, uh, I, I want people to, to come together. I mean, it's enough of this divisiveness in the world that I, I, I just don't want it anymore. So when you look ahead for your business for AS Reserve, what do you envision? Like what's, I know people like to use that you're like five year term or 10 year plan, but what's, you know, where do you see yourself a year from now? Or where do you see yourself three years from now? That short time span. Uh, what, what I would like to do Initially, I think it's easy to say um, I enjoy the art of storytelling. You know, uh, to me, it's, it's probably one of the, the most beautiful forms of communication. You know, you can learn history, you can learn valuable life lessons, all of these things. Uh, so I see more cigars involving the Mansa in the next year or two. Uh, matter of fact, that there, there will be. I'm excited to bring that to the forefront uh, to tell more stories. It's it's there's a lot just to put it that way i'm not going to give away the goods but there's a lot to tell not just about mansa musa uh you know we're talking about dynasties so uh i see that coming uh i see uh i see a lot of the stories being told from asr and so uh i want it to be rich in history rich in tradition uh, and valuing the people that rolled the cigar that, that, you know, A, look like me, but B, have not been brought to the forefront of, of this entire industry over the two, three, 400 years. Uh, so I wanna bring that to the forefront, but then I also want to, uh, I also want to bring in other other cultures, you know, talk about other things that are important to uh, life as we know it today. And just some of those valuable lessons that I was taught as a kid, I'll bring those back to. What have you learned about yourself since you started AS Reserve? <laughs> Man, that was a great question. I've learned that there's so much more to what plays in your success uh, and and also in a demise of a brand. Uh, I've, I've learned that um, you know, sales are great. You know, we talk about the bottom line in business all the time. 
all these things, but the mark that you leave on people, I think uh, is just as great. Uh, patience, I've learned the value of patience and processes in this industry. I mean, we're dealing with something that grows out of the soil. It takes time and to bring ideas or concepts to the forefront you know it's not a it's not an overnight thing um working with small manufacturers to now a larger manufacturer is a world of difference and uh, i'm still learning about that uh and just about building quality relationships and, and being able to give to those relationships as much as you receive you know we we all want to have you know mentors and people we can take from but you know success is very at the top is very lonely mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of people that are successful but they you know they, they don't operate in large swaths of people you know they're they're focused uh and so uh you know, to be able to build with a group of people you can trust, that you can add value to, and that you can receive value from, uh, to establish uh, a good name in the industry, build rapport, uh, and be patient. Like these are all things that I've 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 had to learn, and I've learned more about myself through. Somebody comes to you, and they say. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go out on my own and start my own business. It's not necessarily cigars. What advice do you give to that person? Where should they, what, how should they get started? I've heard this question from someone before. When I started, I always tell people I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, And I always look for people that would quote, uh, help me see around the corner. Um, And and not fall into this path that didn't take me anywhere. If, If you and this is not you, but anyone, if you truly want to create something, you know, this freestyle Jay-Z not writing things down doesn't work. Okay, you, you have to write things down. Um, everybody wants to do five things at once. No, all right, that's the quickest way to not accomplish anything. I think, you know, not trying to, uh, well, let me, let me clarify the way I'm saying this. Take one foot in front of the other, one step at a time. Don't try to conquer three, four, five, ten things all at once be patient with yourself absorb information when it when it's necessary and when it's given um 
trademarking. Very important. <laughs> Very important. Trademarking. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody's going to tell you what they think you should do. And only you know what you should do and what's in your heart. You know, um, everybody's told me a thousand different ways of, you know, you should, it'll be better if you, and I'm like, man, you guys aren't putting food on my table. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not, I mean, you're not paying a bill. Like lots of ideas, not enough. Uh, yeah, I'm like, you know what? You know, a guy, when I first started, God love him when I first started. He said, uh, hey, man, these cigars are good, but you don't have bands on them. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> he said, man, you need to get bands on these. That's the only way they're going to sell. I said, yeah, yeah, I know that. And he said, so are you going to get bands on them? I said, are you going to give me $10,000? <laughs> he said, no. I said, so I guess we're just at a at an impasse, huh? <laughs> you know? And, and that's the way the world works. You know, people, uh, there are good people in this world, but there are people that will uh, abuse their seat at your table. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn how to cut people off, uh, especially people that aren't adding value to your life. You know, so there's, there's a lot of things uh, and, you know, every, when you start a business, everybody else magically is starting one at the same time. Uh, you know, this is not a race. It's a marathon. And the goal is to better your best, not to better someone else's best. You know, so it's to focus on what it is that you have to do and always know that there's something to be sacrificed whether it's your time your money your effort your 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 television time mm -hmm. uh your sanity your, maybe your job <laughs> yeah <laughs> right i mean they, this is these things happen you know and so um you got to determine what's more important you know so uh, those are some things I will say. Um, as always, uh, I always leave people with this. Uh, believe somebody said to me, Alex, I am harder on myself than anybody else. That way I know, you know, I can handle the stress. And I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> That's stupid. Uh, so let me get this straight. You are your biggest hater. And somehow that's supposed to help you overcome yourself. That doesn't sound smart. You know, we need to be our biggest fans, our biggest supporters, our biggest cheerleaders, our biggest advocates, you know, because the world is going to tell you no. Your job is not to also stand in with the crowd and heckle yourself, but to to 
be the win at your back. You know, so um, the the beating yourself up thing, not cool. We got to get away from that. So (laughs) those are some things that I would probably say. I feel like we got like a real counseling session today. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you know, it's natural. You know what I mean? Um, I, uh, I want it did this the, the reason why it probably feels like that is because we all do these things to ourselves. Mm-hmm. I I uh you know I had to learn how to stop saying the word broke. Right? I'm broke, can't go out. I, I had to stop, you know, because broke is being broken. You can't put it back together. Humpty dumpty, you know. Mm-hmm. I may be financially indisposed right now. I can't do it temporarily financially on pause you know you have to learn better ways to say things because because our words are so powerful that they actually control ourselves right this fight or flight thing when you put these thoughts out into the world your your body does not know how to differentiate between what's real and what's not what's a joke and what's serious so if you constantly say negative things to yourself, then your 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 mind, your spirit, it, it all focuses on it. So, you know, I had to go through that whole thing in the process of the Mansa, you know, and in the process of ASR and everything else and leaving the job when I first started, all of these things, you know. So when I learned how to properly communicate with myself, you know, then I was I was able to easily squash the doubt, the negativity that was around me because I had filled myself up with so much light, the darkness couldn't penetrate, you know, but this all kind of comes from stories of my dad, you know, and, and, and my mother being the nurturer that she was. So, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's things you learn along the way, you know, we all learn it, but you know, it's it's the path we take and, and how we apply the information, you know. So hopefully hopefully anybody watching has got something out of this. I definitely think they will. If they don't, then there's something definitely <laughs> definitely wrong. I think it was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, before we go for today, I know that there are going to be some people who are going to be listening to this rather than watching. So could you give them whatever website and social media they need to follow in order yeah. to with you and what yeah. you're doing? Okay. Uh, well, I mean, first and foremost, I do most of my uh, social media damage on uh, on IG. You can find me on IG at AS Reserve, A as an Alex, S as a Spencer, Reserve. Uh, add me, follow me, all that stuff. We do follow for follow, all that cool stuff. Uh, and then if you're on Facebook, um, it's ASR Cigar. So those are my two main platforms. It seems like the entire world's on those two platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still learning how to use TikTok. You're not going to find me dancing on there. Uh, you know, I, 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 <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, other than that, if you want to find, uh, you know, cigars or, you know, you want to go online and make a five-pack purchase or buy a box, 
definitely go to boutiquesmoke.com. You can look me up uh, on the site and, uh, you know, make your purchase. We ship all around the world. If you're in the military, we will deliver it to your base uh, worry-free. So uh, just thanks in advance for the support, guys. And I look forward to, uh, to communicating with you on social media. Well, I want to thank you for being a guest today on Deep Cuts and I want to thank everyone who has been watching or is listening to this uh, in playback mode. Uh, if you are following on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, um, be sure to hit the like button or the follow button to be notified of any time we come uh, live with new content and interviews. We have two uh, new interviews coming up next week. We have Jeremy Costagli on Tuesday and Jonas Santana from Blackbird on Thursday. Um, and if you want to watch any of the other um, deep cuts interviews that we have done, you can look at deepcutslive.com as all the other interviews and some other news items that you might be interested in. And I want to thank our guest one more time, um, Alex, for coming on today. We'll have to have you back at some point soon to um, just come on and give us more wisdom <laughs> and, and, and feedback. And especially when you release your, uh, your new products. We'll oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be here, man. I will. You'll be the first person I talk to. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And to everyone, a good night, a good morning. If you're listening to this in the morning, thank you for joining us and see you back here next week. Peace. Peace.